Welcome back, fight fans, to episode number 273 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel. We are checking me out live now, and I've, I've been live already for a couple minutes, the first 90 seconds of which there was no sound because I am a genius and I muted my mic. But thank you for keeping me honest, guys, and for letting me know. Uh, that is why the live comment section kicks ass, because you guys can uh, help my stupid ass as I screw these things up. All right, so uh, this is TNC 273 for the week of July 17th. And as always, I remind you guys, make sure that you are subscribed here on the Ring Digital's YouTube channel, but also make sure you subscribed over on Montero Unboxing, my personal YouTube channel, because now every Friday I do the Friday wrap-up, we talk about different issues, whatever's going on. Uh, last Friday, we talked a little bit about, well, a lot about Fury versus Wilder 3 being postponed. We'll talk a little bit more about that today. I'm sure you guys will have some comments for that. We already got somebody on the phone lines. Wow. Wow. We haven't even gotten to news and notes yet. You guys are on the phones. Sit tight. Who's, whoever's on the phone real quick. Let me get into this um, for a few minutes here. I need to jump right into a couple news items. And then um, we have two weeks to review because I was off last week, of course. And we have a big fight to preview, man. Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castaño. I love this matchup. I think it's one of the best matchups in PBC history. They're going to completely unify the junior middleweight division. I thought that's – I think that's awesome, man. It's about freaking time that PBC unify the whole division. If you think about it – other promoters have done this. Top Rank has done it in several divisions in recent years. We've seen it with other promoters. But for PBC, with all the fighters they manage, some 200, I think, some odd fighters, 150 at least, and it's the first time they're completely unifying a division. Thank you for finally getting there, Uncle Al. It's about damn time. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for that fight. I think it's a good one. We'll have a full, full preview. Um breakdown of that matchup cj duncan in the super chat thanks so much man he says do the podcast from the new lawn steps mob do it yourself yes brother yes uh, a couple of you guys have commented about the yard um as you see my nose is itching because of all the damn allergies man i've been breathing in uh all that grass i've been cutting grass and stuff all weekend but man we finally finished up the backyard. I'm not going to talk about my yard too much here because I know you guys just want to hear about boxing. But I, a lot of you guys out there follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you saw some of the pictures I posted, man. Our backyard and the whole side of our house here, this property that we bought here in Atlanta, um, was just a massive hill. And there was trees, over 20 trees that we cut down. It was like there's a ton of like bamboo, natural bamboo and all these massive weeds. Shit I didn't even know. The one called Poke Salat. I never even knew what it was. I had to Google it and look it up. Shit was as tall as me. Seriously, it was over six feet tall. We had to cut all that down, rip out the roots. Anyway, we leveled everything. And it took, I mean, moving tons and tons of earth. Had to build retaining walls. Had to fortify all that strength in it. Make sure it could last a hundred year storm. Had to build tons of drainage. And man, I've moved so many blocks so many stones so many eight foot uh wooden timbers and a lot of pea gravel and stuff man it's just been non-stop work on top of all the working out i've been doing for my boxing stuff i've been doing this on nights and weekends mostly on weekends recently because i've been boxing so much but man 
that's one thing that melted the weight off big time. Uh, that's that's hard freaking work, especially in the hot ass summer heat down here in Atlanta. So it's looking great. We still got to get the front yard done, though. <laughs> and the front yard's twice the size of the backyard. But at least we have a backyard and it's uh, it's fenced in now. We have a privacy fence and everything. So I, I'm so happy. And because there's been some tropical storms coming through here, it's actually been cool, man. It's been in the 70s. Uh, so we've been able to go back there when it hasn't been raining and just enjoy it. You know, it's been a, it's been a good time, man. All right. So, Jack, I see that was you on the phone. <laughs> where, where is that comment? Did I skip over it already? Oh, it was, it was you, Jack. Jack said, I got off the phone not to press you. My bad, Jack. Uh, I know a lot of you guys want to get on because there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, the schedule is kind of dead, kind of dead, but we, we do have a big fight to to preview. And there's, of course, a bunch of news and notes and happenings. So let's jump right into this um, into this preview. Oh, I'm sorry, preview. Into these news and notes. I'm all over the place today, man. Oh, Chris Berger in the chat. Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, first world problems, LOL. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'll take it, man. Um, compared to where I started from, I, you know, I started in a trailer park. I was born in a trailer park. What do you guys call them over there in the UK? A caravan? I was born in a caravan park <laughs> to parents who weren't old enough to buy a beer. And uh, here I am now owning a, a house uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Pretty damn cool, man. You know, I'm bitching about the, the humidity and stuff. But every now and then, yesterday was one of those times, right? Me and uh, me and my wife, Tiffany, we kind of sat out in the backyard and just chilled and just ate dinner and stuff. And it was just looking around like, damn, I've done okay. I've done all right, you know? And it was just, it was just a happy day, man. <laughs> uh, oh, I get this comment in here. Uh, one foot out the door, the chat says, Periwinkle Blue, Periwinkle Blue. For those of you who've seen Snatch, I mean, yeah, that's a great freaking movie, man. Great character by Brad Pitt, man. Uh, Jack says, a nice caravan for me and my mates. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I was I was born in one of those, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Chris says, well-deserved, brother. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, man. And C-Law, he's in the chat. He says, where's Claudia Trejos? I know. Guys, I have a list of guests that... I've I've promised to bring on months ago. I feel like shit because I've put a lot of the guests and everything on hold because um, I'm I'm focused on other things right now. And it, it, there's a lot of moving parts to getting hosts or guests on and stuff. So I feel bad because there's several people that like I've been talking to for months to bring on the show. Trust me, we're gonna get Claudia on here. Uh, I'm also gonna bring on a couple of my actor friends in Hollywood that I've been saying for months need to get on uh, that you guys would really enjoy having some of these guys on. Cause you'll know who they are. You've seen their stuff. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I have been slacking on the guests. I promise fourth quarter, we're going to get back to that. But right now, man, I got so much on my plate guys that we're just taking a break with the guests for right now. Every now and then I'll bring one on. Uh, I did reach out to Jean Pascal's people, by the way, because he is somebody I would like to get on. He released a statement talking about, you know, he didn't know he ingested four banned substances. So if I could get Jean Pascal on right now, I would get him on. Uh, but there's, you know, it's just, it's tough right now, man. Um, got a lot going on. Man, we get all these snatch comments in here, man. Adrian says, do you like Degs? Do you like Degs? Snatch was an amazing freaking film. All right. News and notes. First of all, uh, not box related. I know, but 
Italy beats England in the Euro Cup 2020 final yesterday. I, I am not a huge football guy. I don't watch it all the time. I do get into it sometimes, especially with, with the big – I, I kind of watch football the way a lot of you guys outside of America watch American football. You'll pay attention for the Super Bowl and stuff like – you know what I'm saying? So I'm totally a casual, completely a casual with the Euro and all that kind of stuff. But this was a lot of fun, man, and that was actually a pretty fun game, a lot of tense moments. I wish there was a little more scoring, but um, th those penalty kicks at the end, definitely some high drama, man, some real high drama. And for a second there, it looked like England was going to take it. But then I think it was three guys in a row on England missed, and it, it turned out Italy's goalkeeper – was outstanding. I thought England's goalkeeper was outstanding throughout the game because Italy got so many shots on goal. They, they, they had so many scoring opportunities, so many more scoring opportunities than England did, particularly in the second half. And in the, the extra periods, there was two extra periods because they controlled the possession for the most part. But um, England's goalkeeper played well, but in the end, man, those, those young guys they brought in over on England, they missed those kicks, man, like three kicks in a row. Um, so, you know, it sucks for those guys, but they're young, especially that one kid. I think he's like 19. He'll be back. He's going to be, you guys, you guys in England, you're going to get one of these soon. So, so don't, don't even fret, man. You guys are definitely going to win one of these very soon. Uh, cause you got a young, good nucleus there. And that kid that missed at the very end, he's going to get the last laugh. Cause I think years from now, there's going to be a big game where he's going to score the winning goal. I, that I, you could almost just see it happening right now. This, I, I, just to make a boxing comparison, that that I, I, forget, I forget his name, but um, as I said, I'm a casual with this stuff. But uh, when he missed that goal, it just reminded me of like a young prospect getting knocked out, but then they bounce back and become a world champion later. And that's what I see happening with that kid, man. Chris Bergen, super chat. Thank you, Chris. He says, I was gutted, but well done, Italy. Yeah. I saw a lot of hashtag gutted on Twitter yesterday. Uh, so look, man, here's the thing, Chris. England played really, really well. And I mean, a minute into this thing, I was like, holy shit. It was a minute, two minutes in, England scored. And, and I thought, uh, this is, this is going to be a blowout. You know, Italy looked shook early on. So you guys played really, really well. Really, really well. So nothing to be ashamed of. Kento in the chat says the racial abuse of the three players that missed was shameful. Yeah, absolutely fucking disgusting. And I, I saw some of that stuff. And I, I think I heard the one kid, the youngest kid, deleted his social media account, which was smart. But there's just no place for that bullshit. I just I don't understand people interject that stuff into places where it doesn't belong. Um, just, just absolutely disgusting, uncalled for. And the people that are doing that stuff are not fans. They're not Saka. That's the kids that Matt Malone in the chat says Saka will be great. Yeah, I think that kid's going to bounce back and he will have the last laugh again. I, I see it now. Years from now, that kid is going to score the winning goal in a big game and be the big star. And there's going to be parades in his honor. He will get the last laugh. This will only make him stronger. Once again, to use the boxing analogy, he was a prospect that got knocked out yesterday. He'll bounce back from this. He'll be a champ. Feeling dangerous with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. He asked, who would you like to see JoJo fight next? Great question. He actually called out some people, including Ryan Garcia. I'll talk about that in just a second here. 
Uh, Kevin from Chicago in the chat says racial abuse was exaggerated. Look, man, I saw some of the comments. Maybe it's being exaggerated in the media because the media does what they do. They ignore it when it happens one way. They exaggerate it when it goes another way. I look, I hate the mainstream media, but I saw some of the comments and they were absolutely fucking disgusting. And some of these people posting this stuff need to get a fucking life. It's only football. All right. Moving on from that. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder three is postponed due to COVID. Uh, so look, there was really no, no, no new news from this. Um, it's probably going to be October. There's a million conspiracy theories running rapid all over the place. Uh, Wilder's cult is claiming that Fury is lying uh, because they think Fury is evil and they still haven't gotten over the beatdown from last year. Uh, people on Fury's side are saying this was a setup and people are saying it's because of poor ticket sales. Some people believe it was really COVID. Some people don't think it's real and the doctors are in on it and there's this big conspiracy. As I said before, I don't know what the hell to believe with anybody on either side of this thing. They're all a bunch of charlatans as far as I'm concerned. Fury's side, Wilder's side, all of them. I cannot wait until this whole fucking thing is over with. That's the third fuck, well, fourth now in this show so far. Uh, cannot wait till it's over with so that we can move forward. This has held up the entire boxing industry, not just the heavyweight division in 2021 and we got hit hard in 2020 uh both sides are at fault some more than others at different stages of this thing at certain stages wilder's side was more at fault at other stages fury's side was more at fault where it stands now i'm just burnt out on the whole damn thing i say that and i admit that i will absolutely watch when the fight finally takes place i ain't paying a motherfucking dime for it but i will watch when it takes place I'm not flying to Vegas to cover it. I've had several people ask. I've even had uh, several friends who have bought tickets that are saying, Mike, we'll be out there, man. Let, let's get up. You know, um, I, I I got, you know, a hookup on this hotel or whatever. I could help you guys out with that. No, I'm not interested in covering it. Even for ring. I'm just not interested in this damn fight. I, I'm just, I'm ready for it to be done. So hopefully in October, we get this third fight. I will tell you this. If you take everything at face value, okay, and we believe everything as is, and you honestly believe Tyson Fury has COVID right now, and I have no reason to not believe that, okay? I'm going to take everybody at their word. If he has COVID, this is a massive advantage to Deontay Wilder. He gets a few more months to prepare. He never should have went straight into a third fight with Fury anyway. I always felt he should have went into uh, a, a tune-up fight and get some confidence back. But now he's going to have a confidence booster here. He's already being protected by the people around him. They're, they're kind of creating a cocoon around him from the media. He's only talking to friendly media sources. And I use media with air quotes, some of the people he's dealing with. Um, he, he's So he's protected there. He's got a bunch of yes men around him, inflating his ego. But now this is a real thing. This isn't fake. This isn't bullshit. If his opponent has a serious medical condition right now and has COVID and Fury's always been a guy that's ballooned in, up in between fights, he looked a little heavy, kind of a spare tire coming into this camp, never been a body beautiful. He does have the obesity gene in him. We've seen him get big before. None of those things are good when you compound it with 
COVID. So I think this is going to affect Fury. It is, he's a guy who needs to move in the fight to avoid that right hand. This is all a huge, huge benefit for, for Wilder. And whenever this thing is officially rescheduled, I think you're going to see the odds shift. You're going to see the odds makers change a little bit as people start talking because this is going to affect Fury in a very negative way. So for the conspiracy theorists out there to think Fury is just making this shit up uh, because ticket sales were poor or whatever, it just doesn't add up because now they're going to be behind Spence Pacquiao, which is a pay-per-view. They're going to be behind other UFC events. They're going to be behind Canelo's next fight. Whether Plant continues to duck him or finally signs on, whoever Canelo fights, it's going to be big. You're going to be behind all that. And then you're going to be dealing with winter sports here in America, the NBA, the NFL, et cetera. So it's going to be harder, I think, to sell tickets in October than in July. Not that Vegas fights in July are big, big sellers most of the time, but you are competing with less events. So uh, all those things combined, I just don't buy into this that Fury's faking it all or, or whatever. I, I just I don't buy into that. Although maybe something else is going on and COVID's being used as a convenient excuse. Who knows? I'm just saying this doesn't benefit Fury's side or top rank side at all. This only benefits PBC's side and Deontay Wilder's side. Maybe not financially, but in terms of Wilder having better a better chance in that third fight, Absolutely, it favors them. Okay, uh, Tank Davis versus Mario Barrios pay-per-view. It's reported at doing 215,000 buys. It didn't, it didn't make it didn't crack 200,000. Trust me on that. Now, Oscar De La Hoya was say, quoted as saying it did like 90,000. It did significantly more than 90,000. Well, significantly, I guess that's a relative term. So it did over 150,000. It probably did buck 80. Okay, somewhere around there. That's probably where it ends up going being uh when it's all said and done. Honestly though, guys, we're nitpicking over tens of thousands of pay-per-views and as I've said m- multiple times in recent weeks, it's kind of pathetic. It's kind of pathetic that we're nitpicking over 20, 30, 40, even 50,000, you know, difference in our in our, in our numbers when it used to be you were nitpicking over a half a million. People were saying, no, this did 2.5. And there were other people say, no, actually it did more like 2.1. That's, you know, that's the kind of nitpicking you saw on media. Now it's like, no, no, dog, this did 205. No, 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 it did 210, all right? And there's another guy, it did 212. That's what we're nitpicking over. That's how bad it's got. So Davis Barrios did not crack 200,000 buys. Uh, but financially... It was a success because, yes, Davis is getting paid pretty well. Barrios got paid pretty well, but their guarantees, relatively speaking, were low. They got pay-per-view upside. So when you factor in all the expenses, plus you go into a cheap venue here in Atlanta, um, things worked out pretty well for them. Right now, they're making money with Tank doing these pay-per-views. If he ever becomes a star, quote unquote, the way we think of star, a guy that's demanding 10, 15, 20 million dollars a fight, they're going to take a fucking bloodbath on these pay-per-view shows. But right now, when you're guaranteeing them a million, two million, whatever it is, somewhere in that range, and then pay-per-view upside, yeah, you could cover costs to make a few bucks on this level of show, especially when your undercard is shit and you're spending no money on it. Okay. 
I'm not saying that to diss the show. I'm just being honest. That's what this was. This was Tank. And I talked about this before. This was uh, testing the waters to see what Tank can do completely carrying a card. There was no big co-feature. His opponent was not a name. This was 100% on Tank. Let's see how he can do. They moved tickets. It wasn't a, a true sellout. That venue holds, I think, about 18, 20,000. So they didn't completely sell it out. They had to block off some of the upper levels of State Farm Arena in downtown Atlanta. And they discounted thousands of tickets, but they got butts in there, right? It did, I think, 15 plus thousand. That's impressive. And if it sold 180,000 pay per views, seeing is that it was a fight that nobody asked for. It was a poor uh, fight card to begin with for pay-per-view. That's all good. They did well financially. But to put Tank up there and, and call him a star and to try to put him up there with names of guys that are getting tens of millions of dollars per fight, and you guys know the names. I don't even need to go down the list. But there are about four or five guys in the sport right now that are getting eight figures per fight when you factor in all the intangibles. They're in different parts of the world, right? So those are who I would call stars, boxing stars, right? Tank isn't on that level yet. And it's just simple numbers tell the truth here. It's not hating or anything like that. It's just simple mathematics, guys. All right? So people out there will say, well, you're just hating. You're just No, I'm just telling you what the numbers are and comparing them to other guys who are getting tens of millions of dollars. That's a star. In, in boxing, dude, this is capitalism on steroids. So the, the numbers tell the truth here, all right? All right, let's get into a quick uh, review. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. We've got two weeks to cover here. I talked about this a little bit on my Friday shows, some of these fights. And then I'm going to do a, a preview, and then we'll get into your calls, okay, guys? So just sit tight on the phones. Saturday, July 3rd, Carson, California. Chris Colbert, unanimous decision win over Tugsat, Nyambayar. This is a 130-pound fight. Uh, King Tug was moving up from 126, and it showed. I covered this fight for Ring TV. You guys saw my uh, recap piece up there on the site. This was uh, a, a, nice, a nice fight and a good show from PBC on Showtime. They did a good job here. Uh, PBC put on a nice, nice card. They've had a couple of uh, solid cards recently. And uh, Colbert would look, look great in this fight. His jab was outstanding. He mixed up the angles of the jab. He's a stylist, but an entertaining stylist. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of comparisons between Chris Colbert and Shakur Stevenson. Similar age. Um, Colbert, Colbert's a little older, but I just mean in terms of their boxing career. Similar age. And um, they're both stylists, right? They're not knockout artists. They're probably going to take Every fight against an elite-level fighter is probably going to go the distance with them, right? But the difference between Stevenson and Colbert, to me, Colbert's more entertaining, man. Yes, he wins fights off the jab, but he throws it out there like a piston. It's straight. It's solid. It's fast. He also varies it. He throws the up jab, the slip jab, the standard jab, power jab, flick jab. I mean, just a little bit of everything, even a slight backhand jab here and there. He'll throw. He'll mix in the power and all that. But uh, I love the way he uses it, uses his length. And he did this uh, in, in a way against Nyambar where it was a one-sided fight, but it was entertaining, at least to me. And when I compare him to Shakur Stevenson, Shakur kind of lulls me to sleep sometimes. And Colbert's fought better opposition than Stevenson, in my opinion, and looked better doing it. Now, 
Stevenson gets hit less. He's more of a defensive specialist, and that is impressive. It, it requires a high level of skill. It's much easier to hit than it is to not get hit. It takes tremendously more skill to not get hit, and Stevenson's good at that. But when you look at the level of opposition and the guys he's fought, um, I, I think that's a big part of it. So um, Colbert, I, I like him a lot, man. I think he's an entertaining guy. I love that he called out Javante Tank Davis. There's no way that fight is happening next. But he is technically the mandatory for Tank's WBA belt at 130 pounds. His legit belt. Tank has like 8,000 WBA belts, right? But the ones at 35 and 40 are bullshit. The one at 30 is legit. His WBA title at 130 is legit. And Colbert is the mandatory for it. However, I don't see that fight happening anytime soon. Torian Falk in the chat says, I love Colbert. My only problem is he has no pop in those punches. Agreed, brother. Because in the pro game, you got to have some pop. You got to have some pop to keep your man off you. Now, he was able to keep King Tug off him just enough. But again, King Tug is a guy that was coming up in weight. So against a, a, an elite level 130, against a guy like Tank, I don't know. He's going to be having to turn him a lot. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it would be interesting. But who knows, man? Maybe Colbert could do to Tank Davis sort of a version of what Usyk did to Gassiev. Not exactly the same fight in terms of styles, of course, but you see where I'm going with this. In that fight, Usyk you know, obviously doesn't punch like Gassiev, but he was able to keep Gassiev off balance and off angle and just turn him, and he had the endurance to do it. So maybe Colbert can do that against the elite guys, but I like him a lot. Uh, Wednesday, July 7th, Timothy Zhu, TKO3 win over Steve Spark. This is a last-minute replacement uh, in Australia on ESPN+. Plus. So good for Timothy Zhu. However, at some point, I understand they're building a business over there, and it's a, it's a profitable business, okay? Everything Tank Davis is doing here in the United States, Zhu's doing it even better over in Australia in terms of building a brand and the amount of actual Australians that watch him fight. They're not doing the pay-per-view thing over there and milking it in front of 180,000 people. They're getting some big, big numbers over there. He's done some big crowds. I get it. At some point, though, dude, you got to leave the safe waters, the the cozy confines of home. You got to go somewhere else. If you don't want to come straight to America, cool. Do a fight in Europe. Go to the U.K., an Australian fighter fighting in the UK would sell. Okay. Go there, do a fight, you know, figure out who you want to fight, do it there. And then come over to America, get, get some work in the international waters. But I, you know, once he goes for a title, of course, he's going to be fighting over there in Australia. Why wouldn't you? He's a huge brand over there already. Kid's going to win a world title over the next two years. Just watch. And then last Friday, July 9th in Carson, California, Zerto Gilberto Ramirez, KO4 win over Sullivan Barrera. Dropped him three times with body shots. Called out Dimitri Bevel next. First of all, get my sip of water here. Ah, there we go. First of all, Golden Boy Promotions deserves props on this card. Great card. This was a fun card from Golden Boy Promotions. Uh, for And on a Friday night, fun card, fun venue, fun matchups. On Friday night, didn't have to wait to Saturday night for it. So this was great. So I, I enjoyed this card. Zerto Ramirez, love that he's learned English, doing interviews in English now. Love that he showed up to this fight. And what I talked about last Friday on my channel, I said, 
Zerto needs to fight with passion and be entertaining and entertain the LA Mexican American fans because that's what Oscar de la Hoya and Eric Gomez, all those guys at Golden Boy are pushing for him. That's what they want out of him, right? And that's just what he did. Now, that, that's all positive. Here's the negative, okay? Sullivan Barrera, great name. He's fought everybody. I, I'm a big fan of Sullivan Barrera because he's one of those guys that's fought everyone. Always would fight, take on the tough opposition. Remember when he fought Andre Ward? When he really didn't have, he was still a prospect and he fought Andre Ward. So, so that's the kind of guy Sullivan Barrera is. That's why I respect him. However, he's been inactive. He's well past his best days. I don't want to say he looked shot, but he looked half shot in this fight. He's definitely at the very tail end of his career. So we can't get too excited about this performance of Zerto Ramirez. This is something we discussed on the Ring Ratings Committee this weekend is, well, where do we rate Zerto now at 175? Not the strongest division after your top five. It gets a little murky. The waters get murky there in the bottom five of the top ten. I think you could put Zerto in the top ten, but at the very bottom, number nine, number ten, somewhere in there. Curious where you guys would rate him. But you can't go too crazy over this win. The thing I liked, the thing I liked is that he called out Dimitri Beevil. Both Zerto Ramirez and Dimitri Beevil need a dance partner, a significant dance partner now. And Beevil has a title. So if you're Zerto, you want to go right for that world title shot. If that fight can happen at the end of this year, November, December, somewhere in that time frame, that's a fantastic freaking fight. I'd love to see it. And that would be one, depending on where it's held, I might cover that one for ring. I, I might be like, hey, man, I'll travel to wherever the hell it is. Put that in Texas or something. I'd go out to Texas and cover that live for, for the ring mag because um, I think that's a fantastic matchup. Beevil's a guy I've paid a lot of attention to. I've talked to him over the years. I've done articles. Uh, I talked to his wife. Uh, good dude. Underappreciated fighter, but hasn't had the dance partner. With Zerto. He kind of needs a dance partner too. And I just think this would be a beautiful fight. I love that he called him out. So let's see what can happen with that. Now, co-main. This is the fight that I told you guys don't sleep on. This could steal the show. And that's exactly what it did. Uh, Joseph Diaz Jr., unanimous decision win over Javier Fortuna. This was Diaz's first fight at 135 pounds. Um Fortuna, though, people forget he started, I think, at 126 as well. So he's been at 135 for a while, but the bulk of his career early on was, I think, 126, 130. So it's not like he's this big, super strong lightweight. However, he is a guy that's been avoided. A lot of guys have avoided Javier Fortuna, and he's been in there with top opposition. He's always fared well. Even in fights he's lost, he's always been competitive. So this was a very good matchup. And for Diaz to get in there and win this fight, clearly, I scored it 116-112. Uh, I, I well, there was a point deduction, so 115-112. But eight rounds to four. I think you could even make a case for nine rounds to three. You could go as close as seven rounds to five. But I did see, first of all, the official scorecards were too wide. I, I thought they, the, I can't remember the official scores, but they were too wide. Okay, One judge had it way too wide. But the right man won. And I saw some people on Twitter, people whose opinions I normally respect, um, saying that they thought Fortuna won this fight. I don't know what the hell they were watching. Guys, there are two types of punches that really, really, really matter in professional boxing. One is the jab, 
in the other's body punching. And for some reason, some people out there just ignore those punch categories and they just look at power punches. Sometimes a power jab is more effective than an overhand right. Sometimes a really good body shot is more effective than a hard left hook up top. It just depends. But when you look at the punching categories, Diaz dominated the jab. He landed significantly more jabs. He landed significantly more power uh, body punches, which technically is a power punch. But those two punching categories matter tremendously. So for if you have one guy who's controlling those two punching categories and the other guy lands more of the, the other punching category, which basically is kind of this conglomeration of every other punch, it pretty much shows who won the fight. So, so in my opinion, Diaz clearly won this fight. It was competitive, but he clearly won. And I like that Diaz, after this fight, called out Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight Javier Fortuna. Diaz, well, first he called out all the champs, but he also called out Ryan Garcia. He called out, I think, Devin Haney too. But man, a fight between Joseph Diaz Jr. and Ryan Garcia, if you're Golden Boy Promotions, those are both your guys. They're both from Southern California. That is a big fight in Los Angeles. That would do numbers. You could put that on the Dignity Health Sports Deep, whatever the hell it is called these days. And that does a sellout crowd there of what, 10,000 or whatever it is there. I'm telling you, they maybe could even take it to a bigger venue than that, depending on the date and all those sorts of things. But that is a big fight out there. Okay. LA would show up to that fight and it would be a real crossroads kind of thing for, for Joseph Diaz. If he could beat Ryan Garcia, that'd be huge for him and his career. But if Ryan Garcia could beat Joseph Diaz, that would be a real proving ground for him. I think that and then when you look at the styles, I think that would be a fantastic matchup, man. So I, I love Joseph Diaz is saying all the right things here. Also on this card, uh, Mexican lightweight prospect, William Zapata improved to 23 and 0, 21 knockouts and 23 wins with a six round retirement win over San Antonio based uh, came into this fight undefeated Hector Tanahara. Great performance by Zapata. Great performance. He looks like he could be the goods, man. He's someone to keep an eye on. Sanicia Superbad Estrada won her second world title. Uh, this was at 108 pounds. I've said this several times. I think she is one of the top 10 female fighters pound for pound. Uh, can't put her in the top five quite yet, but she's absolutely on my female fighters pound for pound top 10 list, man. She is. Uh, she definitely is super bad. She's super tiny, but she's super bad. So that is it for the fight review. Now we're going to do some fight preview. And I got some stuff to show you guys here. Um, so this Saturday, July 17th, AT&T Center, San Antonio, Texas, TGB Promotions, PBC on Showtime. We'll talk about the main event here in just a minute. But the on the undercard, Rolando Romero, 13-0, 25-year-old prospect out of Vegas going up against Anthony Yidget. He was supposed to fight Austin Dulé, but he had a knee injury. So uh, Yidget steps in last minute. I was excited to see Romero and Dulé fight, but Yidget, not a bad replacement, all things considered. But I think that this is a more winnable fight for Romero. Also, uh, Burkham, Murtazaliev, 
a Russian fighting out of Oxnard, California, 18 and 0, going up against Kerry Gray, who has lost five of his last eight. So I like the Russian big in this one. That's a junior middleweight fight. And Amilcar Vidal, 12 and 0, 25 years old, originally from Uruguay, now lives and trains out of Coachella, California. He's a middleweight prospect. Going up against Emmanuel Alim, who is one, two, and one in his last four. So I like Vidal big in that one as well. So the 300 card fights pretty much going to go for the A side, right? Uh, with Romero, we'll see. Maybe he'll get tested a little, a little bit early, but I think all three of those guys win pretty handily. Main event: Jermel Charlo versus Brian Castaño. A complete unification of the junior middleweight division. So I am going to get into my absolute breakdown of this and who I think is going to win and why. But first, I want to show you guys something from Doug Fisher's mailbag this week. And if you're not reading Doug's mailbag on Mondays and Fridays, you're missing out. It's one of the best columns in all of boxing. It's required reading for a diehard fight freak. But there was a question that came up specifically about Al Heyman and Al Heyman fighters. I'm not going to read the entire response because it's a long response. But Doug gets into Al Heyman and the way that they develop fighters very, very slowly over there. He talks about Gary Russell Jr., but then he gets to the Charlo brothers, okay, and specifically with Jermel Charlo. And the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of people are mad at Ring Magazine that we don't have Jermel Charlo rated in our pound-for-pound top 10. There's a lot of amateur podcasters and people like that out there who do. But none of the big, uh, high, highly respected, reputable boxing media platforms do yet. It's not just Ring. But anyway, let me read this paragraph from Doug. Uh, and I quote, dragging out the development of talented boxers continued when Heyman made the transition from perennial manager of the year to promotional power broker. A prime example is Jermel Charlo, who some feel should already be in Ring Magazine's pound-for-pound -pound rankings. He's not in the pound-for-pound -pound top 10 of ESPN or the transitional boxing ratings board either, but nobody cares about their mythical ratings. Let's face it, some folks just like to bitch and toss shade at us. The Charlo boosters say Mel deserves to be a rings pound for pound top 10 because as a unified title holder who is about to fight for the undisputed championship. And I get their reasoning, but the majority of rings pound for pound ranked fighters unified major titles way before Charlo did. Jermel fought his first unification bout versus Jason Rosario in his 34th bout. Now, in a way, fought his first unification bout in his 18th pro bout versus a future Hall of Famer in his third Weight class. Josh Taylor and Teofimo Lopez fought their first unification bouts in their 16th pro bout. Alexander Usyk did it in his 14th pro bout. He was undisputed cruiserweight champ by his 15th. Lomachenko did it in his 12th pro bout. It's just my opinion, but I think Jermel, who fought for his first world title in 2016 in his 28th pro bout, was ready for the world by late 2013 definitely by the end of 2014. So as usual, my man, Doug spitting bars, all of that is the motherfucking truth. And it's just one of multiple examples that I could bring up comparing PBC and what they do. And it's their prerogative. I'm not hating. I'm just saying it's how they do things over there 
compared to how other promoters and other fighters from other parts of the world are doing it. Now, depending on where you sit politically in this whole mixture of things, you may think that what's going on at PBC is hurting American boxing. It's watering down the boxing business. It's making fans less interested. Or maybe you think it's awesome because the fighters are being protected. American fighters are being paid better. They're being, uh, they're padding their records. They're in more control of their careers and taking things slow. Whereas some of these guys from other parts of the world, they're getting paid less. They're taking riskier fights early on. They're not as well protected politically by the judges and the establishment. So it all depends on where you sit. For me, I sit on the ring ratings committee. I vote. I am part of a committee of people that votes on our ratings. And the way I base my ratings is, who the fuck have you fought? Who the fuck have you beat? When the fuck was it? Where the fuck was it? All these things matter. So if you're not getting into your first unification fight until your 34th pro bout, yeah, comparing that to guys who are doing it in their 12th, their 14th, their 16th pro bout, you're not going to get the love on the pound for pound list that other guys are getting. If it's taking you over a decade, over a decade to do what other guys have done in four or five years in their career, it's going to affect your ratings. I want to show you guys something. In fact, I'm not going to share my screen for this. I just want to talking about the, the, the matchup this weekend. Okay. Between Charlo and Castano. A lot of you guys don't realize this. Charlo and Castano are the same age. They're 31. All right. Charlo went pro in 2007, dude. It's 2021. This guy went pro in 2007. So that's 14 years ago. This is the 15th year of his pro career. His first unification fight was at the end of last year. 13, 14 years into his career, he's finally facing the elite in unifying a division. Castaño went pro in 2012. He has been a pro five years less than Charlo, and he is about to fight for the undisputed championship as well. He's also fought guys like Irislandi Lara, Patrick Teixeira, so some good fighters, uh, Michael Soro. Now, Charlo, on the other hand, Rosario, Harrison, Trout, Lubin, Lubin at the time was a prospect, but you can argue that, uh, well, also um, Martirosian, of course, all things considered, that still might be his best win. So you absolutely can make the argument that Charlo has a better overall resume. Sure, I'm not going to argue that. But what Castaño's done in five less years in stepping up to the plate and taking a fight like this five years sooner than Charlo did into his pro career says a lot, dude. A lot of people talk about Charlo like he's this young, this pup that's just just getting started. Dude, he's been a pro since 2007. Y'all are mad at us for not having him on the pound-for-pound pound list. Yes, the Jason Rosario win was a great win because he unified titles. But is it, let's be honest, guys. The Jason Rosario win, is that any better than when Terrence Bud Crawford beat Julius and Dongo? Honestly, and Dongo actually had to win several fights to unify his belts. It wasn't a one-hit wonder. Jason Rosario is a one-hit wonder. One big win on Rosario's career. The rest, look at the rest of his resume. Seriously. 
So <clears throat> good win by Charlo. He did what he was supposed to do. And I thought he was going to win that fight big. A lot of people were like, oh, don't sleep on Rosario. Really? No, no, no. Charlo's going to win this fight big. And he did. Props to him. But comparing that shit to what other guys have been doing, like Ioka or Chocolatito or Estrada, guys at 115 pounds, there's several other guys in, in those smaller weight classes I could bring up too. Guys, there's just no comparison. So it's not an anti-PBC or anti-Al Heyman thing. We get accused of this at ring all the time. But again, look at ESPN's pound-for-pound list and a transitional ratings board. Look at their pound-for-pound list. Charlo's not up there either. Why do we get all the shit? Why, why does everybody point at us? Bottom line, if and when Charlo beats Castaño this weekend, and I think he will, he will be on our pound-for-pound list. The discussion and the debate will be who he replaces in our top 10. That's going to be an interesting discussion to have. Now, why, some of you will ask, why do I think Charlo's going to win this fight? Well, it comes down to size, okay? Ask any woman. And if she's being honest, she'll, she'll tell you. Size matters, all right? It matters with your lady. It matters in boxing. Size matters. And unless there's a significant gap in skills, power, experience, size is the determining factor. And there's nothing Castaño does that's light years better than Charlo. And it's not as if Castaño has all this world title, huge big fight experience, and Charlo has none, okay? Experience, talent-wise, skills-wise, these guys are pretty much the same. Power, all that, they're pretty much close to, the, to each other's skill set, okay? One guy's better at some stuff, the other guy's better at other stuff, cool. But when it comes to size, Charlo is 5'11", 73-inch reach. Castaño is five foot seven, 67 inch reach. So all Charlo has to do is use his size and length, keep Castaño off him, punch down at him, one twos, one one twos, and then faints. And then at some point late in the fight, uppercuts are going to play. Uh, the rear uppercut, that's going to come to play. And all there's going to be opportunities for Charlo to get a stoppage. And I really think he can. Will he get a stoppage? I don't know. I think it's probably going to go the distance. The, the Charlo's power is, is overrated, particularly Jamel Charlo's power is overrated. He's fought better opposition than Jamal. That's why he doesn't have the, the knockout percentage that Jamal does because Jamal's opposition is so awful for the most part. But their power isn't that big. So it's probably going to go the distance. But Charlo's going to win this fight. He's just a bigger guy, the longer guy, the more explosive athletic guy, uh, faster with his feet, faster with his hands. All those things are going to play a factor. So I would bet the over on this fight, and I would bet Charlo to take it, probably by decision. One thing I should mention about Castaño, a lot of people talk about the fact he's only got 18 pro fights. Yes, but he was a highly accomplished amateur. Okay, and that's why I do think this is going to be a highly competitive fight. Uh, apparently I'm looking here on my notes. Apparently his, uh, amateur record was 181 wins and five losses. Okay. He also beat Errol Spence, Escivia Falcao. Falcao won a gold medal. Okay. And he, he beat him. Um, let's see. He also beat who else? Sergey Drevyanchenko in the world series of boxing, a, a really young prime, still really, really fresh. Sergey Drevyanchenko beat him. So, um, he does have, 
that world level experience that he's going to bring into this fight. So I do think he's going to have moments, particularly early on. But I just think Charlo's too long, uh, too fast, much taller, and has all the political and physical advantages going into this fight. And for those reasons, I think he's going to win this fight, probably by decision, but I would not rule out a late TKO stoppage. All right, now, now we could go to the phones. All right, we got a couple of uh, phone calls here, so let me jump to these real quick, guys. All right, uh, let's start with 661. You're on the show. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Mike? It's Danny. Can you hear me? Danny, yeah, what's up, man? Hey, I had a few points I wanted to talk about. Um, with Zurdo, you think uh, that's actually a feasible fight with people? Yeah, I think so, because they both fight for the zone. I know uh, Bevo will fight anybody, and Zerto called him out. I know Golden Boy wants it, so I think it's very, very doable. I like that fight, and Jesus, do I want to see Bevo back in the ring? <laughs> yeah, man, Bevo's a great fighter, and I think style-wise, those two are going to match up very, very well. I, I think it's going to be a fun fight. Yeah, hopefully it does get done. I do want to see it. Um, another point, uh, uh, I don't know if I should mention his name, but it was uh, a new recruit, we'll call it, by uh, ESPN. Um, <laughs> I'm curious to see if his agenda changes. <laughs> I think I know who you – I think uh, you know who I'm talking about because he's mostly a PBC guy, but now that ESPN got him, I'm curious to see if, if his uh, – opinions change all of a sudden now yeah it's going to be fun to watch that that particular individual you're talking about has pretty much worked at every platform he goes where the money is and where the jobs are he's more of a mainstream media type of guy than i would say a boxing guy not somebody i would go to to break down a fight or provide analysis or score a fight or anything like that but um you know when it comes to breaking news he has Dependable sources, you know? Sources. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, you know, I should mention that. That, that should be fun. It's, it's going to be interesting, man. A close eye on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on my way to work right now, so uh, I'll let you, uh, you know, get the other calls. Appreciate, appreciate All right, the time, man. All right, thanks a lot, bro. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's funny. Agendas can change depending on who's giving you your check. So it'll be interesting to watch things at ESPN. I will say this. ESPN, because of their deal with Top Rank, is a great place to watch boxing. Not a place I go to for boxing news. They've, they've had boxing guys that wrote at ESPN. They don't anymore. So uh, ESPN's owned by Disney. It's more about agendas over there. It's about social brownie points, social media traffic, what's going to generate the most clicks. They're going to spend way more time covering Jake Paul's next fight than they will covering Chocolatito Estrada 3. There you go. That's all you need to know. Now, when Steve Kim wrote at ESPN, do you think for a second 
that he would spend more time on Jake Paul's next fight than Chocolatito Estrada 3. There you go. Okay, 317, I think this is Jack. You're on the show. What's up? Yeah, what's up, Mike? It's Jack Alter. I want I want to put my name up there because you know I'm trying to get my channel back, get like from all the bullshit copyright. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm back, and I just wanted to say it's not about the size of the boat, bro. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> hey, look, look. You can have a bumpy ass ride on a small boat, or you can have a nice smooth ride on a yacht. I think most ladies would rather go with the yacht. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave it and just stop right there. Hey, man, I'll just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's just leave it. At, let's just yeah, leave yeah, it cringe, at cringe, cringe. Okay, all right. Hey, hey my, 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 uh, <laughs> saying cringe now is pretty cringe. Like, like in 2021, as like a. Oh, yeah, okay. Am I, <laughs> oh, am I behind? Don't all right. Oh, it's shit. I just cringed my own cringe. Fuck. All right. I just need to shut up and let Jack talk. All right. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, uh, 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 Taurine Fox says, oh, Lord, Jack's back. Uh, why, why is my computer, like, zoomed in? He said, uh, oh, Tom, just ask your Triple G question. Torian just said, oh, ask your Triple G Torian question Paul. and go. What a goofy-ass goofy ass, goofy ass name. Oh, you only what is Taurine Fox. Coaster just said deuce chills. I think I think Coaster's talking to me. So you're getting dissed, and I'm getting dissed here in the chat for different reasons. <clears throat> uh, okay, okay, yeah, sorry. All right, what's uh, up, that man? Guy, Torrey, okay. Yeah, uh, so th- there's a lot of things, but I wanted to get into two mostly. Uh, one of them is Usyk and Joshua. I know you haven't mentioned it yet, but, dude, Usyk's going to win. And I'm telling you this, I, I want to ask you something because you say Joshua's going to win. And I want to know why, why you think that. I know you say size, but wait, wait, let me just, let me just go ahead and your prediction for that fight and let me know what you think. Well, first of all, it depends where it is, but I mean, it's probably going to be in the UK. And in terms of the political advantages, that's all going to go to AJ. If any close round, he's going to get in the cards. Usyk doesn't have the power to stop him. I don't think he hasn't shown that yet. Hey, Mike, Mike. Yeah, Mike, Mike. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but Usyk definitely does have the power. I mean, how do you say that, bro? Literally, Dave. He made Dave Allen retire, and like, ask. Let me ask you something. Does Dave Allen have a good chin? Just, just answer that. Dave Allen. What are you talking does about? Dave Allen. Have, Dave Allen. Like, you don't. You haven't seen a clip of him knocking Dave Allen out sparring. Like on his feet and sparring, like, oh, dude. I'm, no, no, Jack, Jack. I'm talking as a pro boxer at heavyweight. He has fought Chaz Witherspoon and he has fought Derek Chisora. He couldn't stop Derek Chisora. He he beat Witherspoon more so by just um, like accumulation, you know, type of thing, uh, just wearing him down. But if you're not stopping Derek Chisora, if you're not one hitter quittering Witherspoon, how's it going to hurt Joshua, dude? I just I'm not saying it's impossible. He could hit him with something he don't see, but I just I just don't see uh, that happening. I just don't. Derek Chisora, Derek Chisora is a very strong guy physically. Yeah, and he's he definitely is. improved in I mean, Klitschko, Klitschko couldn't stop him. Uh, Tyson Fury stopped him in the rematch uh, just because – and this is a different Derek Chisora. I mean, Dillian White knocked him out cold, but Dillian White's got the left, his left hook's one of the strong punches in division. And he hurt, Usyk hurt Derek Chisora in the seventh round. 
Like, Cesaro was kind of saved by the bell. And I'm telling you, man, I know you say that was, uh, like you said earlier, that was sparring. The reason Dave Allen retired was because of this Usyk sparring session. So his career, he said, I don't want to fight as a pro anymore after fighting like guys like Gillian White and Luis Ortiz. He said, I don't want to fight anymore after sparring Usyk and getting knocked. Well, and by the way, Luis Ortiz and Gillian White couldn't hurt this guy with one punch. All Jenna Usyk did, when he puts his ass in the shot and really, like, does it, this dude can fucking crack. I'm telling you, Mike, Usyk can crack. We'll see. Very, Look. He, he, We'll find out. You're on, I mean, look, you're on record. Look, if, if Usyk beats Joshua, especially by knockout, we will all praise you here on the show. We will say you called it. You will get your own segment on the show. Okay. But I, I really, no, no, yeah. No, no, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll have you on Jack. We will have you on as a guest for that episode of TNC. You'll be on video. We'll have you call in video chat. So that we can all say you called this shit. I, I, I may, I'm, yes, sir. T- you know, mark my words. We'll, we'll do that, okay? But I just, I Hell think yeah. that I just don't see it. And it, look, I, I like Usyk. He, he's a fantastic talent, but it, size matters, bro. Well, uh, his segment will be cost at said his segment will be the altar top. I don't. Oh, yeah, I get the altar top. <laughs> Yeah, AJ doesn't. AJ. Couch doesn't killing really in the hard. chat today. I mean, you're not gonna, you're not gonna hit, you're not gonna hit Usyk with combination because Anthony Joshua doesn't really hit hard one punch wise. If you look at all of his knockouts, they've all been combinations. So I mean, and I think Derek Chisora one hit punches harder than Joshua. I mean, look at look at the uh, Joseph Parker fight. Like Joseph Parker couldn't get hit at all. Like or couldn't get stunned at all by Joshua's punches. And first 10 seconds against this new improved Derek Chisora coming off uh, the Usyk loss, he got dropped. He was he was in much better shape, though, for the Joshua fight. Mentally, physically. Okay. A lot less cocaine use. Yeah. uh, Joshua couldn't really hurt Takam, and Derek Chisora knocked him unconscious with an overhand right. I, I hear you, Jack, but styles make I mean, fights, man. You know this. Styles make fights. And and you're not the same yeah, shape for every boxing. fight. His boxing, like, if he tries boxing with Usyk, he's going to get his ass handed to him. I mean, dude, he's not going to – I'm telling you, Mike, you're going to see, bro. All right. Then, I hey. love you, man. And I'm not trying to let you agree. You're going to see Usyk's going to beat the shit out of him. If, look, if he does, uh, dude, look, listen. If, if Usyk beats Joshua – He's probably pound for pound number one at that point. I don't think you could deny it he just is, because yeah. the, the natural size difference there is crazy. And I, I still think Joshua has the best resume overall at heavyweight. Tyson Fury has the best wins right now, the two best wins. But overall, when you look at the fights against the most top 10 guys and the most consistency, it's Joshua. So if Usyk beats him, that's a huge historic accomplishment. I mean, seriously, people are sleeping on that. I just don't see it. But you're on the record, bro. You're every, everyone in the chat is acknowledging right now. You're on the record. Emma, Emma Willis says, Brah, when AJ beats Usyk, get this guy back on. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. When AJ beats Usyk, well, yeah. That, that's the thing, too, Jack. You can't run away. You can't run away. Now, if AJ oh, no, beats Usyk. Mike, 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 I'm not going to. I'm all right. I'm not going to, brother. Brother, I'm not. I'm going to come right on the show. Okay. But uh, the thing is, 
the Usyk is not beating AJ. Y'all, y'all see. I'm telling you, you guys will see. But uh, one thing I want to say: if he does beat Joshua, he'll have the best resume in the sport. I mean, he'll beat Gassiev, Bradis. Yeah. Um, I think Shador is still a good win. Anthony Joshua, and he just went undisputed in an entire weight class, and he beat Marco Hunt. Uh, he beat Glovaki, or how you say it, or am I thinking of Glovaki? He would, uh, if he, yeah. Honestly, if he beats Joshua, and he'll Hunter. have three of the four titles at heavyweight. So he'll be almost undisputed at heavyweight. So it would be, again, I don't think, it'd be yeah. massive. I don't think he beats Tyson Fury because of the size. Um, I don't know. I think the Wilder fight's 50-50, but I think a style-wise, just Usyk is going to just dismantle. Like, because AJ doesn't have the conditioning. He has very bad conditioning, and Usyk, that's one of Usyk's best strengths. Usyk never gets tired, and Joshua's known for having pretty bad conditioning. Usyk looked tired against Chisora. Usyk looked tired at times against Chisora. When? In the later rounds. He was huffing a little bit. Dude, when you're carrying an extra 20, 30 pounds when you've bulked up, uh, it it slows you down. And I'll say this. With Joshua, yeah, stamina was an issue, but he's taken off weight. I thought he looked good in that rematch with Ruiz and that, that weight that he was at in that Ruiz rematch, that's where he needs to be for the fight with Usyk. Uh, dude, I think it's a competitive fight. It's intriguing, but I'm taking AJ. I know you're taking Usyk. Hashtag size matters. But dude, I got a bunch of other calls we got to jump to, man. So I got I got to jump Yeah, off. no worries. Uh, it, was fun, it was fun talking about it, but uh, man, we got... It, going to suck though because we got like three months like it's not going to be till september hopefully it doesn't get canceled by wilder fury three i don't think so these these two guys are actually professionals and they want to fight so i'm excited to see it <laughs> all, all right, right brothers bro. good to talk to you all right man have a good one jack peace all right well we got a bunch of calls here let's jump to these let's fly through these guys 513 you're on the show what's up Hey Mike, it's it's Andrew. I, I just I heard your uh, comments when you were talking about the PBC uh, and how they develop fighters. Um, I thought it was interesting, and you, you're sitting there talking about how they manage fighters and what's good for the fans and not. And I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to give my two cents. I felt compelled to do so. I, I think the important thing is that a fan. And, for, and by the way, the, you know, you'll see the numbers go up because when fans are entertained, they will come back. If they're not entertained, they're not going to, they're not going to watch, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know, I, I, I you know, it, it, you know, that, that that's, that's just kind of what I wanted to say, what I think is important. Uh, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care how much money the fighters are making. If they're entertaining for me to watch, I'm going to tune in to watch. That's a great. And, that's a great uh, point. I, I, I mean, just, I, if 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 it's good matchups and you're entertained, then there you go. But le, but let me ask you this, Andrew. Does it really matter to you where a fighter's ranks pound for pound, or what kind of titles they have, or do you just care about the fights? Well, I I, I do want to see the best fight the best, but uh, like one one comment that like I'll make is I I tend to really enjoy top rank shows a lot, like their undercards. I think are really good because they, they I think their matchmaking in their undercards is good, even if they don't have two top tier fighters in there. Sometimes they provide very entertaining fights. 
to watch as you get towards the main event that you're really excited to see. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, one thing that PBC does do well, uh, especially with Tom Brown at TGB promotions is they will throw on a dozen undercard fights on a lot of their shows. So go into their shows live. You just see fight after fight, after fight, after fight. Some of those are really, really one-sided, but it is fun to go to their shows and see like all those undercard fights. And I think top rank is probably better at more uh, even matchups. Although we do see plenty of showcases over at top rank too, but I'm with you, man. It's about, it's about being entertained, right? I feel like it's a good mixture at top rank. Like sometimes I feel like particularly PBC and Matchroom have a tendency to like just line up showcase fights or Eddie Hearn and Matchroom's case, they have a tendency sometimes, not all the time, by the way, there's Matchroom cards I've loved. And yeah, a bunch of guys that are all trying to get rounds in on an undercard and they'll be like 10, 12 round fights. And it's like, they're not 10, but like four or five, 12, 10 round fights guys that all want to go the distance, not really want to close the show because they're shaking rust off. And it's like, it's, I mean, I understand you got to do that occasionally, but you can't, you can't put four of them in a row. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear start, you. You I hear you. Me after a while. So I, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to make that comment because I just, I felt compelled to do so. And uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll end it. I'll end my phone call off with a little fun question. I've heard some grumblings that uh, potentially Terrence Crawford might be getting in the ring with Josh Taylor soon. What do you think about that? It was a little bit more fun question. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. Um, it's actually being discussed and um, it's something that I do think is possible, but it's probably not going to happen until next year, early 2022, but it is very, very possible. And I think both guys would do it in a second. Um, I, I, if I were in Josh Taylor's camp, I would want Taylor to take one fight at 147 before fighting Terrence Crawford, but they are talking about going right into the Crawford fight, which I think would be freaking awesome. I do think that fight happens next year. Is it the next fight? I don't know. Maybe they'll find a way to negotiate and do like a preliminary fight, and then they both fight later next year. But I really do think that by the end of 2022, uh, Bud Crawford and, and the Tartan Tornado are going to fight. I absolutely do. I I I personally think it, I think it's if if they want to play it smart, they can do one interim bout. I know that a lot of people would like to see uh, Josh Taylor defended belts in Scotland. Yeah, if he wants to get real active, he probably could fit two fights in if he wants to. You know, fight a you know an easy mandatory in Scotland, then move up to one forty seven, kind of get get that ready fight and then they're ready to fight around may or june of next year yeah. and I, i'm assuming crawford you know given his inactivity i mean uh i, I crawford's kind of uh, it's almost starting to get almost to be a joke to me at some point every time top rank has a broadcast they tell me how good terrence crawford is but he never gets in the ring <laughs> i hear you man i hear you <laughs> it's like, you're not alone in that thought man. i'm not trying to hate on him no, no, you you make you're absolutely correct. It, it, he's he's tough to defend right now, tough to defend. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll leave it there. Uh, thanks for taking my call. All right, Andrew. Thanks, man. All right, bye. 
All right, we got a few more calls here. Let's jump into these guys. 570, you're on the show. What's up? Hello, Mike. Uh, a couple callers ago, interesting call about Usyk. I didn't really plan on talking about him, but he he's right about <laughs> Usyk's style with uh, AJ. Now, me personally, I'm going to tell you right now, Usyk's going to outbox AJ, but he's going to get Golovkin and Kovalev on the scorecards. It's going to be the same thing that happened with Canelo and Andre Ward in Vegas. The hometown judges in England will never score against Anthony Joshua against an outsider. So if you're betting money on that fight, AJ's only a, a two-to-one favorite, okay? But don't expect Usyk to win a decision. It's not going to happen. Same thing with Manny versus Spence. That goes to decision. Spence going to win no matter what Manny does. That, it, that's true and true. And I agree with you on, on uh, Charlo. I think he may get outboxed. But if it goes to the scorecards, he's going to win. PBC has way too much invested in the Charlo brothers to have him lose undisputed. That's just the way it goes, folks, in boxing. Politics rule. So if you're betting real money like I am on these, these fights, you got to consider these, these options. So, again, don't be disappointed. If, you know, you see Usyk outbox AJ, which I think he's going to. I think he's going to frustrate him to hell in that second part of that fight. He's got Lomachenko's father in his corner now training him. A lot of angles, but he's not going to get a decision. AJ is going to lean on him and, and smother a lot of his work. The judges are going to score for AJ. That's, that's just how it goes. Yeah, I think, I, that's, I think you're spot on with the... That's, more, that's definitely more likely and possible than Usyk stopping Joshua. I just don't see that happening. But I could see a very, yeah. very close fight. And then and I mentioned this, that the close rounds are going to go to Anthony Joshua. All he's got to do is box behind his jab yeah. and land a you know, little touch right hand here or there, and he's going to get the round. Uh, Usyk has to really, really win eight or more rounds of that fight um, to even really have a chance on the cards. Clear. Clear. And just Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I don't think he's going to knock Joshua yeah. out. I just don't see it. That's why I would bet the bank on Joshua so points in that fight. Joshua gasses, but he's pretty durable. He's going to gas out at certain spots. But, again, he, he, he could take a good shot. I know yeah. people say he doesn't have a chin, but he got blasted by an older Klitschko. But he got up. He was pretty he much finished, Klitschko. His heart is underrated, mistake, man. But he, he's got a chin. Yeah, he does. I yeah. agree with you. I agree. So, again, call, I'm calling it right now. He's going to get Golovkin, and uh, people are going to be unhappy. But I've, I have him with parlays that I close, and I'm a big fan of Usyk. I think Usyk, in the last 15 years, I think he had the best run of undisputed. I think winning on the road versus Breedis and, uh, and uh, Gassiev were, were tremendously impressive, more so than I think the least impressive unification was the Crawford unification at 140 because all those belts became vacant when – uh, Danny Garcia moved up to welterweight. Yeah. He didn't fight a legit fighter the whole way. Postal was the best guy he fought. And uh, somewhere in, in the middle, you have this Charlo unification. And I think Josh Taylor is second behind Yusuf for the um, unification. I think that was really impressive because they fought legit fighters in, in that, uh, you know, Progre. I think he's <laughs> so underrated. I think he's right up there. I think he would have beaten Crawford at 140. But Crawford ran it, ran up to uh, 147 after Aram, you know, got that fight all jobbed up for uh, for Horn to beat Manny in, in in Australia. Don't think that was just a coincidence either. Okay, so uh, 
if you're talking about the unification and Charlo winning, who do you replace? Your place is Crawford on the pound for pound level. I'm going to say something right now. Crawford hasn't fought. He hasn't fought since what? November? Golovkin fought before him. Golovkin fought in December. Or January, I think it was. Yeah, let me look. Yeah, Crawford has been inactive fighting past prime Kelbrook and Amir Khan. Not even past prime. I'm going to say shot. He fought two fights. Yeah, November. November. That doesn't merit pound for pound. So if you're taking pound for pound seriously, he hasn't earned the status anymore. He's got to be taken off and replaced because Charlo deserves it. I, I like Charlo. It's crazy to say. I like. I don't like his brother. I think his brother's a, a bum. I really do. He's lazy. But Jermel, he's he's got ambition. I like him. And I think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to win emphatically, although he could stop him late. I like the decision that you're saying, but I would hedge it with a late knockout. Okay. Because, um, again, the size matters. He's a much bigger guy. And and to let you go, I'm gonna. I want you to get to other callers. But before I go, you mentioned Sinicia Estrada, top top ten pound for pound. I don't know about that. She's right on the cusp, but I will say she's top three pound for pound good looking women in boxing. Yeah. They have to sell that more, Mike. Yeah. They have to sell that more, especially in America. She is fantastic looking. Yeah, she's a good looking woman. She. If she does the weigh-ins like a Michaela Mayer does in those cheeky little uh, outfits or Ebony Bridges does in England mm. with those cheeky songs, she's going to make some new fans. And, <laughs> and a lot of people get mad at this, but sex sells. Yeah. And a lot of guys are going to tune into women's boxing when they see that. It's going to be the casual thing. I got into women's boxing because of the gambling aspect. I've been killing. Okay? Um, there's a boxing channel out there that really gets into women's boxing, and he's been spot on. But if you're going to get the casual fan involved, you wear, you wear those outfits, the weigh-ins, you get attention that way. Women's boxing will take off because I'll tell you, there's some good scraps in, in yeah. women's boxing. Yeah, there is. But you add in, you add in that cheekiness and, and that good look, those good-looking women, and there are a bunch. There are a bunch. I, I'm absolutely shocked. You would think, you know, these are going to be like homely-looking women, but they're not. They're good-looking women. Yeah, so, and there's even more. Again, more of the prospects coming up are good looking too. They they've found something. There's a lot of girls that are still in the amateurs, and I'm like, damn, this oh, girl yeah. could be a model. So they're coming. They're coming over Kelly the next Scotty, five years. She 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 gets dressed up a little bit. I mean, there's some tremendous looking women, and they have to sell it. If they're talking about if they're griping about equal pay, like Michaela Mayer was, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of supply and demand, and and in economics, they're not going to make the money based off the fact that men are superior physically in yeah. regards to knockout power. But if they could offset that by other aspects, like I said, that's where you make the money. That's where you bring in the fan bases, but they have to be willing to do that. I don't know in this liberal culture, if they're willing to sell out, but if they want to make money, they have to do it. I don't even think so, it's selling out. I really hope I think it's just of, being smart. It, look, it, if they're being smart, Mike, but if there was a sport where 95% of the viewing audience were, were straight women, the, the guys would be wearing yeah. underwear to weigh in. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course they would. Oh, absolutely. I would do it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? It, of course. Like the calendars with the whatever, you know, that you got to do what sells. So any promoter worth his salt is going to have to inject that into their, their fight plan. Eddie Hearn should have been all over this. I think he's doing great for women's boxing. That's something he's lacking. Hmm. in that regard. So one more thing about Bivol and Zerto. 
That fight's not happening next. I'm going to tell you why. Because Zerto is going to fight Kovalev. Kovalev has one more fight contract at the Golden Boy. They're going to feed him to Zerto. Because Kovalev's shot. He's done. Yeah. That's going to be the win that they're going to get him to, to fix up with the Bebo fight. And I'll tell you, Bebo's going to beat Zerto. And, and it's not even going to be competitive. Because Golden Boy, they don't want to lose him this quick. But they're going to set him up against Kovalev next. Just make sure you take uh, Zerto by stoppage before round 10. Oh, yeah. Six and 10. That's the under on that. Body. Yeah, bet the under on that big time. Yeah. All right, Thad, so, good stuff, man. Thanks for your thanks for your time. All right, brother. All right. Good night. All right, a couple things. Um, Alexander here in the chat says the location of a fight has nothing to do with the judges. Promotions can fly their own judges in anywhere in the world if they want if they want to. Yes and no, Alexander. Um, the the location does matter because it's not just the judges. Uh, the, first of all, who's paying the judges? It's the lead promoter. The promoter pays the judges. So uh, it doesn't even necessarily matter the location, necess- but it, it's who's throwing the party, right? Not necessarily where the party's held. But when it comes to ring officials and things like that, a lot of times the commission, the local commission, the local jurisdiction determines a lot of those things. So it would be the BBBFC over there. <clears throat> and that does change things it does alter things so yeah they can fly in three judges from madagascar if they want to but who's paying the judges who's the overseeing local commission or you know the the jurisdiction that's that's running the show there those things do influence uh the way the fight is handled and officiated okay uh guys i wanted to before i get back to these calls real quick just show our current pound for pound list at ring now this is going to change a lot very soon. I believe in August next month, we are going to do a shuffling of the deck of our ratings top to bottom, because we've talked about this last year due to COVID. We gave fighters breaks for inactivity because we said, you know, with, with the pandemic and everything, we need to give these guys a little bit of buffer and guys that we would normally drop off the ratings and stuff. We gave them a pass, but, I think we've been talking about when we can get together and reshuffle everything. And we're thinking it's going to be at some point next month. So fighters who have been inactive are going to be gone. Once we get together, we're going to look top to bottom, every division. But I wanted to share with you our pound for pound ratings right now. Okay. If Charlo wins this weekend and wins big, who does he replace for you on this list? And I got to say, Thad just convinced me. And a few of you guys have have convinced me of this before, but uh, the way he worded it with with Crawford, number one, Crawford hasn't fought since last November. No fight is scheduled. He hasn't fought an elite level welterweight in a long time. Um, and when I say elite, I, I'm not not even elite, but I'm just saying like a top ten prime welterweight, long time. Looking at this list, yeah, Usyk hasn't fought, but he's about to fight Joshua. Uh, Spence hasn't fought in a while, but he's about to fight Pacquiao. Lopez apparently is going to fight Cambosis. We will see. Estrada's supposed to fight Chocolatito again. Loma just fought. Looks spectacular. Ioka should have a fight coming up soon. Would we be out of our minds if we removed Crawford here and added Charlo? I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. If we, if we took Crawford out completely, and brought Charlo in. And Charlo's not going to be a top five guy. The top five is definitely going to be reshuffled here. 
he'll be somewhere toward the bottom of the top 10. But should we take Crawford out completely? Or is there somebody else on this list that we should take out? I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. And for those of you who are listening later on the um, on the audio pod, DM me, tweet me. Okay, let me know your th- your thoughts on this. Where First of all, where does Charlo go on the pound-for-pound pound list if he wins this weekend and wins big and looks good? And who do we take off our current top 10? A lot of times in a situation like this, you take off somebody that's you know eighth, ninth, tenth. You remove one of those bottom guys and you bring in the new guy. But in this case, man, I got to look at Crawford. He ain't fought nobody in a minute. And he doesn't seem eager to fight anybody. And I just wonder if he should be taken off altogether or if we knock off one of these guys toward the bottom and and get and find room to put charlo in uh do we move Usyk down Usyk hasn't fought in a while does he still deserve to be top five um he is about to fight joshua what the, the second best heavyweight in the world right now so i think he deserves credit for that um spence is about to fight the third best welterweight in the world he deserves credit for that where do we put charlo who do we take off this list, okay? Let me know your thoughts on this. All right, back to the phones we go. We got a UK caller here, uh, 4478. You're on, what's up? Hi, mine, Chris Bergen, how you doing? Chris, what's up, man? Oh, I'm really good, how are you? Good. Excellent. Well, just going from that, We'll talk about Terence Crawford if you want. Um, you know, I'm a huge Terence Crawford fan. I think he's absolutely fantastic. Um, but I think he's been really unlucky in the way that he's been managed and who he's fought and things like that. And I was thinking, you know, where is Crawford? Is he about three or third or fourth at, at the moment in the rankings? Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. three. I was thinking Josh Taylor should be ranked above him because. Um, Terence Crawford is mainly ranked because of what he did at 140 over what he's done at 147, correct? Correct. Because, he, yeah, he completely unified 140. But Josh Taylor did the same thing. But Josh Taylor's unification of 140 is a hell of a lot more impressive than Terence Crawford. You look at the people he fought, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Taylor fought, like, three killers, basically, and Crawford fought, you know, and Dongo uh, and a couple of other guys. I can't remember who it was. Um, like Burns and someone else, I think. But, um, yeah. Um, so I think Josh Taylor should absolutely be above Crawford. Um, and I would, I, I agree that Charlo should replace Crawford uh, if, if he beats Cassano, and I think he definitely will beat Cassano. I think he should replace Crawford. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to wonder. Like, if you would have said that to me a month ago, I would have said you're crazy. But you guys have convinced me here, and I think I'm going to bring that up this weekend on our rings ring ratings debate because I just don't see how we can continue to rate the guy when he hasn't fought anybody, and I just don't know. So I'll you know running down this list. I mean, it's Canelo, Inouye, Crawford, Usyk, Taylor, Spence, Lopez, Estrada, Loma, and Ioka. I can't think of who That's else you take nice off. Yeah. It's a nice sounding list. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, if, if you said to me, name the top five fighters in the world, I'd probably say that Terence Crawford 
you would probably put him in there, right? Based on on who you think is the best, but you've got to go off who these people are fighting and when they're fighting. Like I spoke to you and I spoke to other people on Ring from Ring on uh, Twitter about um, you know um, the welterweight division and who who should be ranked and who shouldn't be ranked, and uh, I got a response. Uh, and it said, yeah, it's because of the uh, the COVID situation that had been pushed back. Yeah. So it's probably was, Tom so Tom cool. Gray. I think you might have been talking to Tom. Yeah, yeah, Tom Gray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah that and was cool. That Tom and and Doug and and myself and several of us, we've talked about it, and we just need to do a complete overhaul. But we just need to get together and do it. And I think we decided that next month would be the time where it's basically been a year since things have opened up, started to open up, and we have to start, you know, removing guys who haven't been active. Yeah, absolutely. How long will it take with, uh, like, obviously, uh, like, Tyson Fury and Wilder? They haven't fought, like, 18 months now, nearly. So, I yeah. mean, how long, what's the situation? I mean, how long do you wait with that? I mean, how long do the WBC wait with that before they think, well, come on? Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And a lot of people have talked about that. I I, I think ultimately what we will decide, and it, I'm I'm just speculating here. Uh, we need to have the discussion. But since it's quote unquote due to COVID, a medical condition, so it was up to there were legal issues with the uh, the, the contract they're going over, right? The arbitration, and now with COVID, we'll probably give everyone involved in extension and see what happens. But for right now, I don't think we'd strip anybody or anything like that. I don't know what the WBC yeah. is going to do, but I would think that everyone's going to be given a, a pass until October. Well, I mean, you know, I speak to you on Twitter and uh, the whole fury, I told you that fury, the fury wilder fight wouldn't happen at this, at this time. I knew it you did call it. I knew it would not happen. <laughs> <laughs> Chris called it. Chris called it, everybody. He said it's not happening July 24th. And I was like, oh, it's happening. They want to get this shit over with. But you called it, my man. It's a complete mess, though. Like, yeah, I mean, Fury has got Fury has got a total track record of, of, of pulling out a fight. I mean, I think back to when he was supposed to fight David Hay. I mean, how long ago is that? And I think, shit. you know, he pulled out twice against fighting against David Hay. That's crazy. Yeah, and, I mean, there, there's you know, a track the, record. Uh, look, look, outside of his win against Klitschko in, in Wilder, it's been a rather disappointing resume for, for Tyson Fury, if we're being honest. It's crazy to think that the guy who's a lineal champ has never defended a world championship. Yes. Yeah, when I, I that, that tweet, crazy. I tweeted that. That has like over a thousand likes right now on Twitter. I did not expect that tweet yeah. to take off. It's always the most random tweet that takes off like that. But uh, a lot, it hit a nerve with people because it is, it's very interesting that the guy who is the premier heavyweight in the world right now and just won ESPN's SB Fighter of the Year, despite having not fought in a year. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, he's never Ridiculous. defended a, t a title. Never. It's insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, I like the guy, but I think he's a fantastic, unbelievable athlete. But yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. I mean, I, honestly, my honest opinion, I don't see this third fight ever happening now. I think, I don't know what's going to happen. I think the WBC, honestly, 
I'm a fan of Fury, but I think WBC should make him champion in recess and maybe promote Dillian White to full champion and order him versus Wilder and see what happens there. I, I would love to see that. Like, if we could get that as a consolation prize, would and, and the winner fights Fury or something, that'd be great. I just, the WBC yeah. seems to have something against Dillian White. I just don't think they're yeah. going to do it. What is that? I don't understand. Like, I, why is the guy still paying the sanctioning fees after like three years yeah. of being number one? I don't understand. If if I were <laughs> Dillian White, I'd start paying the WBA sanctioning fees or the uh, WBO, somebody else, because the WBC does not like him. I'm not sure what it is. I know. Why, though? He's giving them so much money, obviously. Yeah, fees, a lot but... of money. I don't know. Who knows, man? Who knows, man? Um yeah, the uh, yeah, next uh, thing I was going to say, you were talking about uh, how uh, judges don't sometimes uh, talk about, the, you know, they don't take into account like jabs and body shots and stuff. And uh, I was just thinking, it just made me think of the uh, the last uh, Noya Nue fight that we just saw. And the guy, and, and Nue just destroyed the guy with body shots. That's right. And it was it was beautiful to see. It was absolutely beautiful to see. Like, it was... It was just one after another, and the guy was just—you know—you could see in the guy's face. He just—he he knew it was coming, but he couldn't do anything about it. Look what—I uh, don't know if you saw Ramirez and Barrera this weekend, uh, but it's the same thing. It was body shots, and and I love that Ramirez is such a tall, long guy, can go to the body so effectively. In fact, I actually yeah. rewound it and watched it a few times because I'm like, I need to try some of that shit in sparring. There was one particular combo. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try that next week in sparring because uh, Zero Ramirez is built like me, similar body style. So um, I, I love the way he goes to the body. Body shots matter, and so do jabs. They control fights, and a lot of people just don't uh, look at it like that. I don't know. Absolutely. And uh, you know, one one fight that I really want to see, but I never ever hear anyone talk about it, is Anuwe versus Ioka. Like, why does no one talk about it? Like, Ioka's are, like, are they both like? I say, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're both like three weight world champions. Yeah. So um, who wouldn't want to see that? And, the, and yeah. I think you know it, it could happen at some point. Ioka is a little smaller. But they're both little guys. Uh, the thing with Ioka is... Yeah, they both fall the same weight, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, right now, technically, he's at 115. Uh, in a way, he's at 118. But it could absolutely happen. You know, with, with Ioka, I'm just looking here. Yeah, he's never been stopped. Both of his losses were split decisions, right? So he could very well be undefeated right now. I really think he's an underappreciated fighter. I'd love to see that yeah. fight at some point. Absolutely. Honestly, honestly, man, I mean, I don't really pay for many pay-per-views, but take my money if that was a pay-per-view. I'm telling you now, take my money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Take my freaking money. Like, Yeah. I mean, every time I see a new way, it's just, as as a Triple G says, a big drama show. You know, <laughs> it's the same He's the, the new, new way, so. He's the new big drama show, honestly. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. That guy is so good to watch, man. It's just so brilliant. Yeah, I'm hoping he gets back in there pretty soon. Um, it, it, it's it's even possible, it's being discussed, we could see the rematch between Donaire and Inouye by the end of this year because of the yeah. situation with Again, take Donaire. my money. 
Yeah, take my money on that one. Holy shit. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Again, yeah. That's like the two, like the monster versus the legend, isn't it? Hell so, yeah. And I actually think Donaire will look better in that rematch. But then maybe in a way will too, because he learned a lot in that first fight. Um, so yeah, if they can do that and put it on ESPN, I don't care where they put it. Uh, or not ESPN, sorry. Uh, well, no, wait a second. Yeah, in a way is on, um, I'm just thinking that, fight was on the zone because it was in the world boxing super series but this would probably go to espn because now he's with top rank so yeah that's probably where it would happen but man that'd be fun yeah i mean i remember seeing i've seen a new a live at the uh the world boxing super series when i was in glasgow and uh i remember he fought uh emmanuel rodriguez and uh i said i said to the guy that next to me i said yes yeah, this is going to be a really competitive fight. This it's going to, you know, it's going to go rounds. Two rounds. And a new way blast came out in two rounds. Yep. Yeah. It, like, I think he dropped in three times, maybe four times. It was, oh, it was unbelievable. I want to say Rodriguez was <laughs> undefeated coming into that fight, too. Yeah. I think he was like 21 and 0 at the time. Yeah. He's a good fighter as well. He's not a bad fighter, but he's, I, I think, you know, a new way is just, on an absolute another planet to most people that size because the power most people that size don't carry much power but he carries ridiculous power yeah and, and and he sets it up he's not just throwing punches he's not just winging away he sets up the power um upstairs and downstairs both hands he's got skills so i want to see him oh, yeah. uh, against the best it would be very fun to see him yeah. against like rigandia or someone at this point uh, against you know, like a pure boxer. I think boxer. He beat I, I do too. I think he actually I knocks him out. Yeah. I think that's an easier fight for him than the rematch with Donaire, to be honest. Possibly. Possibly in terms of styles, yeah. At this point. I mean, I think Rick, Rick, yeah, I think Rigandel, you know, what is, again, one of these Cuban fighters, you don't know how old he actually is, but. Oh, he's like 53 you know. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand what the deal is with these guys, but. Tough situation like down there, man. Is, yeah, tough situation this there. Guy Sanchez, a heavyweight, apparently twenty-seven. He's definitely not twenty-seven. The dude looks older than me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the only last thing I'd say is uh, uh, I was listening to the last uh, the other call with uh, Jack, you know, about Usyk. You know, I, I totally disagree with Jack. I like Jack. I follow him on on Twitter and message him and stuff. Uh, I disagree with him. I, I think AJ is definitely going to be Usyk. I mean, Usyk's a great fighter, fantastic. His resume is absolutely unbelievable at cruiserweight. The, you know, the best resume you know since Vander Holyfield. Yeah. Um, and you know the guy is amazing, but you know stepping up the heavyweight now, it's a big difference. I mean, he beat Chisora, didn't look that convincing. Looked pretty good. Derek Chisora, who is an underrated fighter, Derek Chisora, but uh, Andy Joshua is no Derek Chisora. Uh, people underestimate Andy Joshua, in my opinion. And I think, you know, AJ could stop him, but I think it, it probably, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll either stop him late or go to the cards and AJ will win on the cards. Um, I disagree with one of the callers that said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Someone said it doesn't matter what he does, he won't win on the cards. I don't agree with that. I agree if it's a close fight, then it will go towards AJ, you know, the home fighter. Oh, I think that counts everywhere. If it's a close fighter, it'll go to the home fighter. But 
you know, we'll see what happens. But I think uh, I think AJ probably stops him late. I think that's the way I see it too. And it's it's no knock on Usyk. It's just people don't understand this isn't moving from one twelve to one fifteen. This is moving from two hundred yeah. pounds to a guy who walks around at two sixty, and is pretty much all muscle. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a massive yeah. size difference, man. And and is a, I sparred a guy last week who weighs two seventy, and I could not move that fucking guy. It took all my strength just to hold that guy on the ropes and spin him, uh, and I'm two two fifteen right now. So um, for you know. It just the size difference matters, but anyway, I got uh, I got a bunch of other calls, Chris. I don't even know if I'm going to get to all these uh, calls today, man. So I'm going to let you go. I might take one oh, or two really? more. That's all my points anyway, so that's fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> Cheers, Mike. All right, good thanks a lot, Chris. Take care. Have a good one. Cheers. Bye. And we got a bunch of calls, guys. I, there's a bunch of you on hold. Uh, there's just no way I can get to all you guys today unless we do like a quick fire round. If you got, okay, here we go. If these next couple calls, you guys can keep it to like 90 seconds, two minutes. Cause we got a bunch, we got like 10 more calls, man. Uh, so four, seven, zero, you're on the show. Let's go. Let's rapid fire, man. Rapid fire. What's up? What up, Mike? It's Hannibal. Yeah, the bull. What's up, man? What up, man? Hey, I'm trying to talk about what I mean. The, uh, first off, we're going to the thing and the what's on the conference thing. Let's say that if we're comparing the two, both of them really haven't done anything since they stepped up. Like Crawford has done more than Usyk. So yeah, let's say that we're going to take one. We'd have to take Usyk off. And then, really, I don't even think we should take it. I think we have, we have to wait until we see what happens in the rest case. Besides all that, what happens at dude your phone's breaking up are you calling me are you calling me from under are you under the sea right now <laughs> i can barely hear you your phone's breaking up man are you underwater go right here can you hear me now okay yeah yeah now can you hear me now? yeah 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 okay what ha- what happens in the landscape when it what's called if at 54 and at 40 because i hear earl saying that he's going up danny saying that he's going up what's going to happen at this landscape right now I think that Charlo is going to beat Castano and then he's going to, I guess, move up. And at that point, all That's the titles become vacant. Because his, his brother's there. Because how are they going to do the whole thing and stay at sixty together again, and be like, is that going to happen again? Or like, I, I don't could. understand like how this is going to work. Well, so you got to think, man. Now that Cane- Canelo's gone from sixty. Uh, Triple G is going to be moving up to sixty-eight over the next year or so, and then retiring. So. There's going to be opportunities there for those guys. I, I, if you're char, okay, if you're Charlo and you unify all the belts, Jamel, what does he do? You stay at 54. There's nobody to fight. Now, maybe if they bring up Danny and guys like that, he can fight guys like that. Uh, maybe he fights Spence. Yes, that's I mean, what I'm, th- I'm thinking. Like, does he fight? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Does he fight? Because that's like the biggest fight, and it really can't happen. They're not going to fight in the same gym, are they? Well, I mean, I yeah, that's a good point too, man. Because Spence and uh and the Charlos, they know each other so well. That would be a fun fight, though, man. I, I would actually be really interested in that. That would be between. the best fight. I, I, yeah. I put that on Twitter one time, and I thought that would be the best fight. 